Igawawa acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> I'm Good Brother. And I'm Will Silky. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the timer for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes probably should stand up in a court of law. Uh, and any argument. You find yourself in with a film school student. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and non-descript. So, let's talk about cold war. And, and not the uh, Call of Duty game. <laughs> Shit joke, cut that. Released on the 8th of June, 2018 in Poland, Cold War, also known by its Fijian release title, Jazz Ruins Lives, is the story of Victor, a Polish pianist scouting regional singers to join a government-led performance group, and Zula, a charismatic singer who auditions for the role. The couple are taken with each other and commence a complicated relationship, pressured by government powers and jealousy alike. The film was made on a budget of approximately $4.8 million US and made $20.5 million in return. Directed by Academy Award winning director Pavel Pavlikovsky, the film was a critical success, has an extremely efficient runtime of 88 minutes and may just make you question what lengths you would go to for the one you love and subsequently feel guilty. All right. Um, just me and Tom today, which I'm pretty... Happy yeah. about, I think. This is just a couple of brothers sitting on a table in the middle of a day. After the two hour and 20 minute clusterfuck of Interstellar, it's good the to be doing part. something a bit more, we're a bit more used to, a bit yeah. more in our fields. Yeah. Um, Arty Polish films. Yes. It was, it's funny recording again, just the two of us. We obviously turned it on for this podcast. We were arguing profusely moments before about the, what? the red light started going. Well, I'll tell you what we weren't arguing about, the movie. Because one challenge that comes up now that we're living together again and the pod is in person is not sharing any takes during the week. It has been... I don't know. When did you watch this? Um, last Thursday night. Wait, Wednesday night. Okay. When did I watch this? I think Wednesday night as well. We watched okay. it the same night. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Different locations. Yes. Different locations. Um, and today is a Monday. So, yeah, it's hard getting through a week without talking about the movie so we had to throw in like distractions of other movies and social events in the middle just to not talk about it but you're all a burden but this is a point where i always want to check in with you to see how you're going hey girl i know it's been a while but uh, i just need to ask you something Good brother, how are you? I'm good. No, um, no. How are you? How am I really? How are you really? You're right. Now, pretend the camera's on here. How I really am is good. <laughs> <laughs> is this segment outdated now that this, we're... That's what I mean. It's not, it's not the same. No. But I think we can do it when we have guests, maybe. Yeah, I like it. Maybe this is the death of this segment. I don't know. Okay. okay. It's been a ride. Tom and I are both well. This segment... This segment is not well. It's not well. <laughs> Cold War, let's get into it. So, it felt good um, with this movie because we... We did a bit of planning before this month of pod, which, I don't know, hasn't really... It really fell through. Yeah, hasn't really come to um, 
much, but things are more stressful than ever. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking <laughs> deadlines about deadlines are tighter than yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. We we're talking about the types of movies we want to watch, and as mentioned, I think in the last episode, we're doing commercial and then non-commercial. So one for us and one for you, the listeners. And hopefully, this one falls into the one for you category, but it is the independent section of this podcast. And this is watching this movie immediately. This these are the type of movies we want, we make this podcast for, right? This is why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it felt good to step away from Nolan for five minutes <laughs> before our next Nolan podcast and get back to something that is a bit but different. It, it's kind of funny. Like, we haven't been doing that good a job of doing one for people anyway. Like, our last couple of ones are like Interstellar, granted, which is a commercial one. And then we had Chili's before that, which is definitely not commercial. Or very commercial, depending on who you ask yeah we're still yet to receive any i haven't checked the stats for yeah. it i'm actually deathly afraid <laughs> i didn't that. promote it either just because i'm a lazy one we're very embarrassed about it. <laughs> i'm not embarrassed i think it's a really good pod but it's probably our best pod yeah i was i very the most knowledgeable we've ever I been thoroughly enjoyed listening to it but i was also taken aback by my own nicheness yeah even our biggest fan shout outs to to will this one's for you um <laughs> was reluctant to take the dive, so yeah. Yeah, but you know what? We've got a, had a bit of a music. I'm glad with like us, how much music stuff we've done so far. I guess this is kind of a music movie as well, if you want to look at it through that lens. Interesting. Bringing it back to the um, current film we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, nice. If we're doing context, like I'd never heard of it until Tom said, let's watch it because I think it, I've heard it's good. And then I watched it after work and like, so it was like late because I, you know, I got home from work and I had to like, edit and upload whatever the last podcast was because for some reason that's always like a last minute job so i got home and then did that and by the time i did that it was like 10 o'clock and i was like well i really kind of want to watch it now but i'm knackered and so i put it on and it's like black and white four three film in polish old men going yeah exactly (laughs) aggressive sound you know lots of tension in those chords and i was like Man, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. M for mayor. <laughs> I don't know if I have the energy to do this, but I'm happy to say that that changed relatively quickly. Yeah. That perspective. Um, I have to say this film had great promise as a movie that is like, I'd heard, like I knew two things about it. One, that it was supposed to be good. Two, that it was, had good cinematography. And scene three, the runtime. Like that is just the package deal. Yeah, I, the runtime is going to make up a significant amount of this Praise. conversation. Yeah. And also, like, I'm excited by the fact that we might have a pod that's under an hour due to the actual brevity of the film. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I got places to be, but... Yeah, so you begin with this, like, harsh thing going on, which is these old men singing. And I think in the uh, description, I knew it was post-war, post-World War Two Poland, but it doesn't... Like, I've reviewed it and there weren't captions, at least for a while. Really? Um, I thought that they were at the start. Okay, there is a small chance I skipped past them because the opening text, I don't know if you felt this way, but the opening text was really tiny. Like when it literally was introducing the um, the production staff and team and stuff, the oh, text yeah, was yeah. very small. And then we get these bright blaring like, I don't know, they had like bagpipe type things in Poland. but And then actually it's just funny because then they pan around to this little kid. And do you remember like, that? The, the kid's just like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tough guy. Um. But yeah, and it was really cool uh, opening. Like, it's harsh with the singing because as much as you don't want to sound um, uneducated Western. Our Western ears aren't, well, I mean, yeah, our Australian ears yeah. aren't as 
you know, as used to the scales and modes probably used in traditional Polish music. So mm. it's a bit jarring and it's quite loud, I guess, standardized wise. Yeah. yeah, I found I knew nothing about the story, um, but I found promise as soon as he whipped out the tape recorder. And like I sort of got that they were recording villages. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I don't know what's going on here, but that is like it made for a really good image as well. Like mm-hmm. just vintage technology and yeah. And then obviously the other things that stand out are the four threeness, which four three I'm all in at this stage. I think four three is really good, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's just it especially works on a film like this as like a time capsule thing. Um, but I also think it had a strong relationship to the black and white lighting of this film mm-hmm. um i saw in comments but also i genuinely think i felt this before i read this but it it has like a hollywood vintage feel to it by being black and white mm-hmm. but yeah so the imagery that was coming up early on was uh quite unique and stark and cool and they they really make the shadows and the bright spots really harsh in this film there's no grays which i think you have to lean into if you go in black and white mm. um yeah, which sort of, I'm still just sort of like running through it. But then there was this, I remember the first, the scene that made me like audibly go wow of the shot was when Lech, who's the evil guy, mm. is standing amongst the trees and the ruins of the church that like, comes back later. Like that's where I was like, oh, this actually looks really good. Mm-hmm. Did What did you think of the visuals starting out? And Well, it's interesting because it's like maybe five or so. There's like a bit of time at the start where... The narrative and stuff hasn't fallen into place at all so you're kind of just like looking at shots and like like i said that was kind of the period where i was probably like i'm too tired for this i just you know did an eight hour shift but then definitely yeah you, it's and what's funny and you, you talk about four three but whenever someone makes a creative choice like that there's always a part where you're going to go was that the right decision like you, it's kind of difficult to sit down and be like just accept it straight away at face value like okay this film is just in four three and black and white so there's the whole part where you're kind of tossing up like hmm do i want color do I want it to be 4-3 or not? And I think that, to be honest, it took me maybe a little bit long. Like, I definitely think it's a cool opening and a cool set, scene setting, but I didn't really start getting into it until narratively it kind of started falling into place, to be honest. Yeah, um, that's fair. And especially as someone with a frail ego, I sort of, like, wrestle with the artistic decisions early on. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the cinematography was good, so I was going, like, is the cinematography good or is it not good? And, like, I'm also, like, the same thing, black and white. Oh, what, so you're trying to say that I'm shit because I'm not putting my films in 4.3 and stuff yeah. like that? Um, but it does, it just earns its place eventually. Yeah. And I think it's just, like, a visually gripping film. Um, but... I don't think we can undermine how important the two leads are in that aspect, you know. Visually. They, yeah. Mm. They're very aesthetic people and not just like it's only good because they're beautiful. They're dressed really well, like their costumes and just their design as characters is really good. Yeah. Um, I think Victor particularly is like an extremely handsome man. Yeah. Like I was taken by that and I wanted to announce that because you know how sometimes you'll see hunks in films and you're like, I don't really get it. Yeah. But I was like, man, this dude has something, right? Yeah. It's always funny, especially when there's films like this where it's pretty much carried by two people completely. And you've got to be convinced, one, that they're in love, which, I mean, we'll get probably get into when we get deeper into it. And two, that they're just, like, worth spending an hour and a half, like, alone with pretty much. Mm. And, like, when they introduce her and you're like, hmm, does she have it? Because, like, you know there's going to be a love story or something coming up. And you're like, does she have that? And then... Yeah, I think both of the leads are very well cast and, and do a really good job in this film. 
What do you reckon, like, I mean, you probably, this is probably kind of lame to do this, but what do you reckon their Hollywood, like, counterparts are? Like, did you think about that at all? Uh, well, I immediately sort of thought that she looked a little bit like J-Law. Yep, I got that And as well. also that um, she also has, like, she behaves a little bit like a Jennifer Lawrence character as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, like, Silver Lines, sort of. Mm-hmm. And But him, like, I think he's so unique. I don't know if that sort of thing exists properly. And I think the the key reason why is because they don't give him heaps of dialogue. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak much at all, and his presence is very much felt by looks. Mm. And but generally, there's not a huge a lot of dialogue in this film anyway. Mm. So yeah, it's well. I mean, this movie would only work if they phys- their physical presence was enough. It's interesting because it's like a film really told through shots as opposed to anything else. It's told through the cinematography, and which by extension, I guess, has to be told visually by the actors and the way they look. Yeah. So let's try and like analyze that based on memory. Just immediately when you say that, that it's told through shots rather than dialogue. What stands out to me is the role of like architecture mm-hmm. um, and like set dressing mm-hmm. and then nature. They're like the three things that sort of stand out. So you get like this, you're introduced to a, a poor Poland, like a hill tribe sort of Poland. And then we're introduced to the hall where they're auditioning the singers. Um, and from like that starts the trend of sort of like the, the Soviet sort of buildings, mm-hmm. which are famously sort of bland, I guess, and rigid and structured and stuff. Um, and then obviously that changes when they go to France, which is much trendier and the wealth is a lot more present mm-hmm. in their costumes and the set and stuff. And then we go back and forth a little bit, but yeah, do you think that, I guess I've sort of answered, but do you get do you think that when you say the the pictures tell the story, it's would you say that's the sort of driving thing, the architecture and the settings? That's I interesting. Guess? Yeah. Um, I mean, yes and no. It's funny because it's definitely the first chunk of the film. It's a lot of halls and concert, you know, and performance rooms and stuff like that, which is a bit of a different vibe because I definitely did notice as the kind of plot of the film changed that the cinematography, you know, has to, not, not cinematography itself, but the, I guess, I guess I was looking at it kind of like their photos, you know what I mean? And it almost had to change to a different style of photography because the settings were different and that sort of thing. Mm. So I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think I necessarily was comparing the cities as much in my head as I watched it, but I think that's probably a fair point to make as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause early on you're thinking of, at least personally, you think of the big spaces, it's all mm-hmm. big and their dots against it such as the church and the trees and the fields and stuff. Um, what, what, I think it was a, a movie where shots stood out to you. And admittedly, it's probably a little influenced by my... Uh, I watched a few scenes afterwards just to keep mm. the memory. Because it's sort of a dense film. There's kind of a reason why those shots are the ones on YouTube as well, though. Yeah, probably, so right? which ones stand out to you? In- so my probably favourite ones off the top of my head, I really... And like this is the first one that like really not maybe the first one, but one that really blew my mind was the one where she jumps in the water and she's floating downstream and singing. Yeah. I, and just the way that looked like just completely blew my mind. And I'll just add like it was fun. I watched this by myself just like with the lights out and kind of late at night. And it was like a really good vibe to like watch digest yeah, this film, it would I be think. Good late night film. And that was like totally engrossing, I think. And another one is the one where they're standing against the mirror, I think is an amazing scene. Mm. And what's really interesting, it's because they're all standing against uh, the mirror. Like just after the show? They've just done the show, yeah. yeah. It's before they hook up, I think. Yeah. And so, like, 
with the the black and white, and I mean, you're talking about there not being greys and stuff, so I don't completely understand that. So maybe this is part of it, but the the scenes almost look like two D, and so you get this weird kind of textural sort of thing where it's almost hard to kind of distinguish like the depth in the scene, mm. which is. So, the so, mirror didn't look like a mirror? Is that yeah, the mirror didn't look like a mirror. So, it took me... I was halfway through the scene before I realized they were standing in front of a mirror. Yeah. The only thing that gave it away is that they're touching themselves, you know? Mm. Like, if the, the rest of the room looks... But that's... I think that has to be deliberate. Yeah. Know? So, yeah, those are both amazing. Those are the two that off the top of my head. And then, basically, just every one of him composing with the, the people behind him in the background, mm-hmm. that with an audience behind him in the background, mm-hmm. the way that kind of bounced along. Like, I don't think the camera was moving, but like you could literally feel Somet- the- Yeah, they're dancing, especially in the first few dance classes. I think they're stomping on wood that isn't super solid, so the camera's moving. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it actually is. Yeah, the- and you feel like you're bouncing along with it. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because I was a bit torn during the dance scenes where I was kind of like, I kind of wish that I could see some color, like- I really want to see what this looks like mm. normally. Like, I can't complain about how beautiful it looked in those scenes at the time, but I was a bit unsure because I was like, maybe this would just be better with color because I'm sure it looks amazing. You know mm. what I mean? And it does, I guess, stop you from being... It immer- immerses you in a different way. It immerses you in the maybe the tone of the era or like the setting, mm. you know, the, the global politics or whatever, as opposed to like the actual scene itself and the, the colors and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the costumes and things. Um, I don't know, but it's definitely a cool choice because, you know, one of the images that popped up on the trailer we just watched is like one of Stalin's huge face behind everyone in black and white. Mm. And it definitely feels different that that's in black and white as opposed to something else. Like it does. It's a commentary. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. The color was something that I sort of grappled with, as I sort of already mentioned, but um, it's so interesting when something is in black and white because in a lot of ways you're actually cutting out like a huge tool that you have as well Mm, exactly so it does this funny paradoxical sort of thing where it's like first of all everything in black and white looks good i don't know why but we just love black and white so it instantly earns itself like a seven out of ten aesthetically but then it also like cuts off the ceiling a little bit because some of the best shots you remember are because they're full of color so you do this weird thing where you're um creating a certain quality but also taking away a tool um think of famous movies where color is present um, yeah and it's the same as and it's a, a similar thought i've i'm sure that people have and i've kind of had with like music as well like i'm very much into like a lot of lo-fi stuff and not like lo-fi hip-hop i mean stuff that's actually just shittily recorded do you know what i mean yeah and it's weird because it's like you're you're picking a tool you're definitely right you're putting a ceiling on it and you can you could definitely understand an argument when someone goes like why not just do it properly like why not make the instrument sound as beautiful as it sounds. Mm. But on the other hand, it's an emotional tool. It's like you're telling yeah. a different story yeah. than you would be without those limitations. So, it's it, yeah. It really matches this era. And I think at the start, it matches the bleakness of post-war Poland and the prospects as well. And then later on when they get to France, it's more sort of romanticizing that era. So, it kind of functions on different mm-hmm. levels at yeah, different times. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, it, it works as it kind of functions as this is a snapshot of a story, sort of. It's, it's a vin- like it, it feels nostalgic and it feels as though something that's sort of really happened. Mm-hmm. It, it grounds it in reality and also mystifies it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, other things about color, just quickly watching the behind the scenes featurette, it was really jarring seeing color because right. you saw the costumes that went with it. And 
Um, do they pick costumes that stand out better on black and white? Do you yeah, think? so contrast would be just as important. Um, and colours normally are associated with contrast. It's mm. not like if you have a bright green, it's still brighter than a dark green. In so black and white, you mean? Yeah. yeah. The other thing is that they light it very... They This film particularly lit it very contrasty. You can also make softer black and white, but it was clear that they were trying to like contour their faces with harsh lights on their face and then shadows. Mm. Um, think of the train where the, the dude's delivering the Soviet speech and just sexy Victor leaning on the bar looking like a handsome dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, in that behind-the-scenes featurette, it was interesting because they had the black-and-white look applied to the camera signal on the monitors they were watching. So right. they knew they were doing black-and-white and they'd fully committed to it, mm-hmm. which, of course, makes sense considering what I've just said about lighting. Yeah. Um, I think that I but read But that must that... be a fascinating experience. So... Pavlikovsky, I think his previous film was the same sort of thing. I'm, I think it's the same thing. Well, he made Roma, right? Oh, not no, Roma, no, no, no. Ida. Ida. Sorry. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that same thing for Three Black and White, I imagine the same cinematographer. So it's interesting. It's interesting to me that someone would be like, I did this before and I'll do it again because if you're going to do this, it almost feels like you go, this is the film where I'm going black yeah, and white for yeah. three because this story needs to be told like that. So one thing... I suppose the negative connotation that comes with 4.3 for me is that because you're making sort of a pretentious leap Mm -hmm. um, to do it, I've also, personally, I've sort of associated it with some short films or films that are a bit more, a bit slow Mm -hmm. and maybe don't have the the momentum. So, for example, I watched a film last year for studies, a short film that did well and it was about this woman and she worked in a factory and it was deliberately slow paced and four three but it kind of annoyed me it was a bit too indulgent mm-hmm. so that is the only thing that's working against four three that but it's it's sort of it's sort of like not directly related because the way that you cut the movie doesn't actually relate to the four threeness mm-hmm. but they just sometimes go hand in hand that if you're willing to make strong artistic decisions for artistic reasons you might make a more observational movie that's more artistically cut sort of yeah and i think that the runtime is interesting in this film for that reason like you do you i just you just see it on paper and you go this is a two-hour movie like it yeah it just feels like it, it feels like be. a two-hour movie afterwards do interesting you... no i thought i feel like it felt really short as like as you watched it or reflecting when it was done i was like oh that's over already huh interesting wow so the story um did you know this was when did, do you remember when you kind of knew this was going to turn into a love story? Um, well, I looked it up on my phone when you told me to watch it. Damn it, and <laughs> I didn't do that. I just knew it was cold, called okay. Cold War. Well, I won't. And then I read, I read people comparing it to A Star is Born. Wait, like, you read the reviews? I just saw, I saw like the top couple letterbox okay. ones. Star is Born. I don't know. To be honest, I hadn't thought about that. Here's the thing. Because when you said but modern I equivalent, I almost thought about Bradley Cooper, but then I thought it was just too obvious because it's like... Yeah. But then he, I guess he has the hair thing going on and he just... I didn't think about Bradley Cooper until, until we just watched a clip of it and I looked at his slick hair in a different way and I went, oh yeah, it could be Bradley Cooper. Yeah, nah, he's better. I want to see Victor in, in Western movie. He's like, there are a few... I think it's maybe like the mysticism that comes around these European actors because you don't know them intimately mm. and in the Hollywood lens. But yeah. like someone like Javier Bardem, people love him and think he's really handsome. And I think... Yeah, this dude has that because it's just you don't know anything about him and he, yeah. he's kind of got like a confident look and chiseled jaw and sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. What was I saying? Better Star is Born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It's a kind of a funny reference. It's not really it's the a same meme, thing. Right? It's a bit of a meme. Yeah. And also just like, this is way better than that, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd take Zula over... Gaga. What's her name? Like, Abby or something? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, because personally, I didn't know it was going to be a love story. I guess they make it semi-clear just by, like, showing him as a bachelor, sort of, because he's working with that other woman, but he's not really talking and interacting with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zula's introduction is her teaming up with that other girl, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I think they did really great character construction on Zula. I want to talk about this, that I love I loved the thing where she stabbed her dad, but it happens off screen. I think it's such a good writing tool um, mm-hmm. just to sort of put associations and story behind someone and then not showing it on screen is yeah. more powerful. Yeah. And well, because it's realistic in that it's talking about like rumors and stuff like that. And like, what are your perceptions of people that you get, you know, that you hear around or like, mm. you know, what kind of precedes them, I guess. Yeah. And it fits the era as well because it's a bit everyone's every, the world's all shaken up who fell mm-hmm. where. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then another scene that I loved. This is my first time I'm referring to the notes. I loved how they. I love when the scene because it's online as well. This is one of the shots that stood out to me where they are laying in the field and she's looking at him on the arm. That's quite a memorable shot for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, wheat just looks so good on screen. Um, that's why we shot. The Good Brother video with a bit of wheat in it. Bit of wheat, yes. Bit of lemongrass, bit of uh, corn or <laughs> whatever stodges go on it. Corn. He called it every <laughs> like yellow plant there was. Yeah. I think you're making an interstellar reference. No, we're not having frittatas for dinner tonight. Eat your frittatas. <laughs> and she's confessing to him that she's ratting on him. Yeah. And then he doesn't respond much at all. He's just, what? And mm-hmm. she said, I'm not telling them anything important. And then he storms off back to the field in the, the Taylor Swift shot. Yeah. Um, and then she gets really mad at him for not just, uh, what is it, affirming her radin. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're such a bourgeoisie wanker. Yeah. And so then good. she jumps into the river with no context. Yeah. What a great couple Freak minutes. Freak out sort yeah. of scene. Yeah. And she goes, I could fuck you up proper. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I think... I think which is one of those things you're like, is that just the translation? Like, because like if that's what she actually said, that's hilarious and like really cool. Well said, you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. Um, well, but translations are written so they're dramatically fulfilling, right? They're not yeah. just the words, um, yeah. but it works. And so that translation meant that. Um, anyway, they have this great chemistry as a duo in the way they're written. Her mm-hmm. being exciting and dangerous, and him being reserved and not on the surface sort of thing Mm -hmm. well i guess they're both not on the surface but in different ways so yeah i think it's a very strong idea to make someone have a backstory and not explain every piece of it it made her a more interesting character and so i guess it leads into like they were great performances Mm -hmm. Um, i think the film was full of good performances because i guess it's character again as well but i really like the lek character as well I thought he was a really creepy dude yeah, and they didn't overplay him either. He didn't really have to lay down the, the, the hand of the government, but it was yeah, just implied that he had it. But And that's like definitely a character that historically is almost the scariest. It's someone who has like a blind belief in their government and isn't like so on the surface evil and powerful and whatever. But the person who's like in the meeting and makes a couple of comments about like, oh yeah, we can, we can make it more appropriate. Yeah. That's we can cool, adapt it to it? the cool scene. Soviet ideas. Like that's just um, spooky. Well, know? he's like an up manager. He's managing up or whatever, where he tries to promote himself at the cost of anything. Hmm. 
And yeah, talking on that theme, like definitely my favorite part of the film was the the Polish part at the start, I would say. Okay. Politically, political setting wise, I just found it so fascinating. Mm. Um, and before it even is even really like gets stuck into the love story too much, like that whole idea that like, you know, they've had a, atrocities happen around them with, with the war and it's like, okay, we need to build a national identity again. And the fact that they're going around to all these towns looking for people to have this folk music, but then like adap- adapting it. It gets corrupt so quickly. Like even straight away, it's more commercial, like what they're doing. They're going, we need a, a vision of rural Poland that people will Farmers be inspired succeed by. In, yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then straight away, it gets corrupted to a political agenda. I don't know. I just found that stuff like that very fat, like really fascinating and like something that the kind of more malicious side of, of, of the war and politics, I guess, in that sense that uh, it's cool to see that in a film, I think. And, and just like what I was saying before about the way it was shot, like that part, I don't know, it came, so much of the, the, the mood came across in the way that segment of the film was being shot and talking about his acting, like you could tell he was, you know, discontent with what was going on. But he doesn't say anything Victor. half the time, yeah. So, like, it's a good performance by him in that regard as well, that he's like, you know, what is this stuff? What's going on? This is all kind of bullshit. Mm. Yeah, the... Well, before when I mentioned, I asked about the love story, I would say that it's just that I didn't realise it was going to be a love story, a love story. I was committed to the idea it was going to be a political... Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was more about the politics than about the love at the start. Yeah. And then also I thought it was going to be star-crossed lovers sort of thing. Well, I guess I, I guess the big turning points when he wants to escape with her mm-hmm. and she doesn't come, but I thought she couldn't come yeah. instead of not wanting to. And then I remember the scene that I realized where it was this other story was when he's waiting at the bar and then and the bartender's like, she's not coming. And then she comes 10 seconds later. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that was the angle we were going to take on this film. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think... In a way, it's a very interesting setting for a love story, as we've talked about. Just quickly as well, it's apparently primarily based off his parents. Yeah, so okay. I read that as yeah. well. Um, for the listeners, it's his parents were together and young in Poland, and his dad was a professional, a, a doctor. I can't remember what his mum was. And they were together and they had the director, as the, and then they were living in a small apartment, and his parents had a really... Uh, bad relationship like toxic sort of relationship so they split up and then he went to his dad went to germany i think it was and then he joined his dad in germany and then couldn't come back to poland for his mum or something Mm -hmm. because of moving and then their parents found other partners but then eventually they met again in germany i think it was and left their partners and remarried and Mm. lived as old people together Mm. yeah it's crazy can you imagine writing a story about I guess your parents, but maybe you can because your your parents' story is an extension of your story, but it's fully contextualized. Yeah. So it's probably ripe for writing about mm-hmm. people must have been doing that the whole time, right? So I, I, I really love watching old movies set in old times. I think everyone sort of must. But I don't think that's true at all. Really? Surely people get bolt- bored by well, it depends what we're calling like old times, I guess. Yeah. I'm always happy to see something set in like the 30s, 40s, 50s. That's pretty exciting mm. because those eras look aesthetic as because you've got cool cars and you've got people dressing kind of sharply and mm. presenterly. So I'm always, I, like Fargo season three is set in the 60s, I think. Two, the one I'm watching. Three as well. Four, four the one you're watching. Four. Chris Rock. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And it's such an effort to write a movie that's set in the past. I don't know if I have it in me at the moment. I guess you just have to dive into the research, mm. um, touching on old themes and stuff. Uh, what do you think about old movies? Movies set in old times? Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely invested if it's good. It, like, that's the thing, though. Like, I think as much the same thing when you're talking about 4-3, giving across some implications of slow pace or whatever, something historically set kind of just always feels like it might be a slow film. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be. And it's interesting to see how, because people are forever adapting things set in old times and, you know, redoing them. So it's almost like you need a good reason to, to go back to history as well, because I don't know. And you, I think you're politically bringing up a lot of stuff as well. So you need to be able to deal with that and not just like have it as an aesthetic backdrop, which is, this is a film that definitely deals with the politics, mm. even though it is an aesthetic backdrop as well. So I'm definitely into it. It's just a film is a, it's still got to be a good film. I guess is what I'm saying. Like I'm the jury's out until it's a good film for me. I guess. Yeah. What sort of shines through on this to you? Is it the political era? Like is it a love story shaped by a political era, or is it supposed to show that these relationships exist in any era? I think the politics is such a big part of it that you know it's literally the film title. You know, it's not something you can ignore. But, I, yeah, no, I definitely think it's about the, the thing. I think it's an homage to his parents and being like, you know, this is what... So it's like nostalgic for that era, sort of. Not even nostalgic. I think it's just I like, only say nostalgic because he referenced in an interview I read that he's like, people are nostalgic even about these kind of like horrible times mm. and like just understanding them, I guess. Sorry, keep going. I just think love meant something different back then. You know what I mean? Because there's so much, not necessarily always the case, but definitely a lot less hope probably, or maybe more hope, but in a different way, I guess. Hope required, like you, you needed it. You needed love. You needed mm. or, someone to yearn for across the, the continent or whatever, I guess, more so than, oh, I don't know. Maybe, well, that, maybe that's, that's sort of a theme of the movie that think like the stuff around love is almost better than the love itself. Mm. It, like it's hard being in a relationship and they were, they were more functional as star-crossed lovers yeah. who couldn't be together. It than is so interesting because they, yeah, they don't actually ever get together and be functional. They're together and they're unhappy with one another and she's cheating on him and whatever, you mm. know, which is good. It's more realistic. You know what I mean? Like these are people who are growing up with trauma around them every day. They're, fr- you know, not broken people, but they're definitely people who have been through shit and it's yeah. definitely going to play out on the way you behave in, a, in your personal life as well. And it may, it's just a better way of doing it and more realistic than, and, you know, hearing you talk about his parents just then as well, it's like, it's good that he paid respect to the fact that it's like, hey, they, you can be dysfunctional and you can still be a love story, you know. Mm. And, it's, and it's more true, I guess, as well, you know. Uh, Zula as a character is a really cool story regardless. I think it's quite fascinating that it's nice to see a character like this on screen because it must have happened. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this era, well, I guess you could argue that people launch to unexpected fame on the internet now. But when you think about her perspective, she's... One on the run, but then they obviously have her records because they allude to it later on. But two, she gets vaulted from, you know, tribal money to communist celebrity money (laughs) and she rises through the social ranks, which is just a fascinating story alone. Um, I think it's what an interesting part of it as well is the fact something as simple as like citizenship where it's like, I mean, for one, we can't imagine what it's like living in Europe where you're around a million, you know, a bunch of different countries and it's that easy to go next door to a different country where you need, you're a different nationality. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, a European love story can be set in four com- com- um, countries. Like, yeah. 
But the fact then that it's like, there is all that stuff about visas and being in the right country and political, like, you know, the tensions of that time where it's like your nationality was so important about where you could be, where you couldn't be. Well, I think it's also functioning and not as like its main function, but as a, a background function about identity as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously this film is saying a lot about and has a lot of love for Poland, mm. but the Poland of the time is obviously not a Poland that... It's like failing them as individuals. Yeah, sort of. exactly. Um, but then, yeah, I think this identity stuff is important as well because we can't grasp it um, mm. as, you know, Australians born into citizenship and opportunity and stuff. But... Because we can't understand why Zula goes back to Poland, right? Mm. It just doesn't make sense. Um, But then I think Victor is sort of the message for that, that he wants to go back even though he has no identity there. Mm. And it's illegal. And maybe it's like... Yeah, but it's so interesting. Maybe it's a little too dumb (laughs) from him. But yeah, the fact that he... But how do doesn't you, have a citizenship in France is probably important to someone. You, ta- you take it for granted that you, you're a citizen, and that's definitely not something... There's so many people that are stateless nowadays, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's just that exact thing. Like, your country is failing you. And, like, what do you do in that situation? It's definitely got to play on your, your um, identity, for sure. Um, and you're always going to feel connected to where you're born. Yeah, well, not quite this, but similar. I remember primary school where we were talking about immigration someone's dad or grandpa came in and was saying he migrated from greece Mm -hmm. and he said in australia i was greek and then when i go back to greece i was australian Mm -hmm. and so you fall through a crack just like that and i imagine that's what victor is saying and Mm. feeling and it's interesting like because she is quite the record she releases she is. She sings it in French. I'm imagining. Yes. Because it's interesting. At the start, she doesn't speak French, and then obviously by the end of it, she does. So she learns it along the way. Hmm. Um, yeah, and there's it, that's interesting as well. That it's like she makes this record that's like a big deal and well produced and all that. Um, but she's singing a song in French, and you know, and she hates it. You know. Hmm. I love that thing where he's like, "You have 30 minutes left. Can you not waste it, please?" Yeah. That tension is so real and <laughs> too terrible. I know, and I just couldn't help but thinking as someone who records, it's like if someone said that to me and I had, like, I have 30 minutes to get a good You'd take, so it's like you would, just, you would mess it up, there's yeah. no way. Especially if you're meant to be like singing a convincing love song and you're like stressed about dying. And with a bit of like soul it. as well. Yeah. Um, it's such a cool moment when that comes in as well. Yeah. That it's, I love, I saw it acknowledged, but like the motif of that song, it's great when you see those lyrics because you have no relationship to this song, but you understand it just a little bit. Mm. Um, by the end. The stuff about the translation is quite funny as well when she, like, hates the translation yeah, of the song. Yeah, it's, it's really a, funny. funny. Um, anyway, you did see me scroll down to the uh, different section of the notes, which is memes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Banzula <laughs> recording her album and then feeling very tumultuous and when she's not happy after the album. I felt a very similar experience after recording the the vocals to Christmas Ain't for Lovers, so I really could relate when she threw the vinyl into the water. Let me, let me remind myself of some of the other jokes I wrote down. Well, it does relate to this other one, <laughs> which is that I don't know how, like, do you, could you write a story about a city or something? I don't know if I'd feel, I'm just really impressed that people do, ex- and like, I guess I was saying that you can write a story about your parents because it's yourself contextual. it's part of your contextualized. Mm-hmm. Um, I would find it really challenging to write about a place and an era. Mm-hmm. He, like he's actually, even, it's, even though it's an individual story, he's very much t- biting off a huge thing taken on a movie like this. Yeah. 
Um, but someone's got to be qualified is what the way I look at it. Like, mm. there is someone, you know, he's qualified. And I don't mean that in a literal sense, like they're qualified. But if you're, you know, if your parents lived through that, this is based on your parents and, you know, you're Polish and all this sort of stuff. It's like, you are the person and you write that because it's what you know. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's definitely an element of it where you're going, oh, I don't know if I can take all this on. It's a lot of, because it's a lot of responsibility because you're, when you write something like that, you're writing for a lot of people and being like, this is what it's like for people. Yeah. And just a bit of a random flashback. It's kind of like I remember talking about Amelie and you were talking about people complaining about how the French, the France that's presented in that film is not the real France or whatever. Yeah. So it's definitely important. But I think that he, it's, you know, it, to some people it's in their blood. It's so personal that it, it comes out naturally, I guess. Yeah. And people continue to write things Someone has to do it eventually and they're going to be like, oh, screw you. This is what it means to me and that's all that matters. Well, isn't it funny? Like there's a million TV shows and movies about a stand-up comedian living in New York. Like people don't ever get sick of writing that show or that movie. You know? But you'd feel more entitled to write that because everyone else has, I think. Maybe. Because there's such a population of it. You'd be like, oh, this is my angle. You're not biting off as much. But then maybe, I guess, you know, this guy is coming from the Polish cinema, which we have no idea about. So maybe there's a bunch of Polish movies and he's just adding to the anthology, Mm. Um, which is why movies like this are important to me. And in my opinion, and this is sort of like an opinion I've had before, but it's like, it's, it's important that you watch these movies because you only know your immediate surroundings and the surroundings that are in the, the pop culture you receive. So I think that people actually have big responsibilities in portraying foreign countries because, you know, I'm prob maybe now that it gives me reason to, but like I probably wouldn't have gone to Poland, you know? I think you would. I went. It's great. Oh, Poland is one of the Euro it's tour hotspots. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The hill tribes in Poland were the um the bagpipes. Is hill tribes the right thing to say? What would you what's... I don't think it was hill tribe, it was like There was a word, but I just can't remember it. Yeah. Farmers, communities, mount, mount, mountain, mountain folk. folk. Yeah. Mountain folk jumps to my mind for some reason. Yeah. But... And yeah, so that the other thing, like relating that to cinematography, I think there's a certain amount of things that make cinematography better because they're beautiful, like they're unique locations and like the, the trees and the snow and the building, like I don't think you can mess up that photo pretty, uh, it, it'd be hard to mess up that beautiful place as well because as a viewer, you're taken to somewhere completely different. You have no context. It's like when you go on holidays and you take photos of like the subway and you're like, it looks so cool. And yet you ride the, the train here every day and it's just like, this, this shit's boring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, would someone be interested, personally, if I tried to write the story, is someone interested in suburban Geelong? And <laughs> trick question, like, of course they are. <laughs> but It's very funny. I often think about writing songs about Geelong, but I'm always kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't care. No one cares about Geelong. Yeah. But it's funny, like, you'll listen to a rapper and, like, they're from some specific small town or, like, you know, Wichita City. Or yeah, something. like you know, and you're like, oh, cool. This is now in the on the map as yeah. like somewhere that I'm aware of culturally. <laughs> yeah, because they feel like they go, I'm gonna put it on the map, and um, but we're just like, oh, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, some places just feel like they have identities. But having said that, for a lot of people living there, like they don't think of it like that. They don't go like, this is a cult. This city has an identity. Well, that- it's actually a worldly view to say that your city has an identity. You have to have something to compare and contrast it to. Yeah, but this. Surely, like, every city has, is unique in its own ways, but there's also plenty of cities that are exactly the same as one another. Or not exactly the same, but are more alike than they're, you know, un- unlike. Yeah. Yeah, because Melbourne's like a lot of cities, I imagine. Mm. I think that's, 
which is sort of the thing that I've felt about Australia, that Australia's a lot, uh, Australia's like a mishmash of influences. Mm, yeah. Anyway, I also think it's really important as an individual, like I like, I like knowing, it, I like it when people remind me that people around the world actually are similar mm. um, because these people are in crazy situations, but the story's so familiar and mm. so human and that's a great yeah. part of the film. Yep. And, import- and an important reason to watch foreign films. I think we're sort of held back from uh, global cinema because it's like, oh, I don't know, like it's always intellectual and stuff, but it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's yeah. people It just shows themselves. you that how much, cha- you, like you just have perceptions of things that you don't know is basically what I'm saying. And it's mm-hmm. just so dumb that everyone doesn't go out and watch cinema, foreign cinema because it's a different language or whatever because it's like... But but do people people in Poland watch this and go, this is like a star is born. <laughs> this is how a star is born. Uh, who knows? Well, it was. But well, like, it's just so much better than a star is born. There's so much. You're really it. hung up on this star is born thing, aren't you? Well, I mean, just while I'm bringing it up, because the thing that bothers me he about he didn't a star kiss is, his pants on stage. You're right. Her closest to that There's, is when she's dancing. <laughs> oh, um, she's in the bathroom. What'd she do? She breaks something, right? I and I'm not. I don't think a star is born's the worst film ever. But I think when a film is like so praised and not even so praised but like oscar like they're like this is a thing you know what i mean this is great you know, it's it's sort of like already counter praised it's i know that this is a popular film but it's really good guys yeah and it that i think what's funny the way it does tie in that's kind of interesting in my opinion is we're talking about you know identity and identity of countries and that movie feels so american to me and not like you know mcdonald's cliche like american thing like people say like america is it just means like it feels like hollywood it feels like this is a hollywood movie well. yeah. yeah and the fact that people fawned over it just makes me think like are people just like happy that this feels like an old hollywood film is that what people are actually attaching to like it's a you know decades old story and the way it's told to me just feels like it was a film that would have been made in the 60s like a popular film it literally in the 60s. was you know that right? i know it literally yeah. <laughs> but that's what i mean it just feels like that again and i feel like and, well it seems like really... people even latched onto the fact that it was a remake they're like oh I, we're part of something here i think people respond to that idea so it's like they're like this is an old cinema old hollywood sort of film yeah and it's funny and also similar in that time you've got once upon a time in hollywood which is before or after that movie or whatever but as a direct homage to like hollywood as well and it kind of felt like for a bit there for me as a not well-educated film person that there's this sort of and maybe even like la la land where it was this like kind of like thing nostalgia for the way films used to be and like mm. they were critically received in a positive way because it was doing this thing that people had missed maybe yeah. i don't know so then relate that back to this and it's just about 200 words or less. In, I, i'm just saying that you know look, okay one you've got maybe kind of similar stories but two it's just like the identity that they have and to me this is so much more interesting in that there's so much more at stake and there's like micro and macro levels in this story and that's the thing that i probably like loved most about it i most connected with is the way that it is about governments and people in power kind of like playing with people and changing people's lives you know yeah. what i mean and dictating that the way they have to love and all that sort of stuff yeah and that's fascinating um it's clicked for me so good comparisons um I think the thing is that I don't know if the things that make these films like they are is that one, they're international or that two, they're independent Mm -hmm. because they're making them for such a different market that they can swing for the fences a lot more and try a lot more stuff. Hence why you get crazy good cinematography. Um, But also foreign films can sort of be more political, it seems like, or at least the ones that make waves here. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen A Separation. No, we're going to make a watch it for this. 
and it's a, about honestly I can't remember which country, but it's one of it's set in a Middle Eastern country, mm-hmm. and it's about two people. But again, the politics of the country affects the individual's relationship, and like something like Asara is born, the politics so doesn't affect it, and it's just so singular and so easy to understand, um, and like to the point where they're almost dancing around the fact that. There's politics that they should be commenting on. I agree, yeah. Um, because even their politics that they do are like politics light, like, you know, she's a female pop star who gets like... Messed around. Messed something. around by the industry and the fact that she's a woman and she has to sexy up her sound. And like, that sort of story is actually lame. And well, that's con- a corporate friendly story. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and that's actually contrary to the way the world is kind of working at the moment. Like, mm. I think that it's more insidious, like fake corporations being progressive instead and yeah, not make, yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. it's like you like that message is like taking away oh i know we're kind of getting quite distracted from what's going on and just shit turning into sarah's point it's just it's fascinating because i wouldn't have thought of them in the same sentence like not in terms of critically and i guess i think this is a funny point to just keep latching onto this idea well it's good for the listeners because <laughs> uh, there's a high chance that they've seen stars born, born at least yeah. um the like, it, it, it really brings into question the five-star rating, don't you reckon? Because I don't hate A Star Is Born. Like, I think it's pretty good. Mm. Um, but if I was, if I, like, this and A Star Is Born were the only films that existed, my rating for this film would be severely changed and influenced because... Yeah, exactly. I think, like, I, probably, I think it's fine. It's pre- I like the songs are all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and enjoyable. Bradley Cooper's really good at it. Yeah. I really do. Even though he's like not good, it's like that's my paw. He's like I'm you shot acting. my paw. <laughs> and he, you know, he got his pass shot, and she stabbed her pass. So there's like lots of connections there. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about the things that deserve to be talked about, which is this film. And yes. like, I'm happy we can do like I know we've already talked about cinematography, but I could talk about that forever. Well, it's like it's so intrinsically tied to the story, mm. and whether or not it's deliberate it totally is but it it definitely like is just the way that you're going to think about this film because Mm -hmm. the shots are so severe and another reason i think that is is because the cinematography doesn't take a a moment off Mm. um one thing that really stood out to me is they give everyone heaps of headroom did Mm -hmm. you notice that Mm -hmm. um i wonder if that thematically is related to the fact that people were affected by their backdrops and stuff and conversely like i you know we're going with this it converses a film like star is born where (laughs) Um, the character is front and center in the frame and the depth of field is shallow and it's really just them. But these characters are really parts of their world. Mm. Um, him at the bar, you see a lot of bar behind him. And that shot where she goes dancing, mm. uh, you remember, like we just watched it, you remember it. Um, they occupy like a third of the bottom of the screen at the start and there's like this beautiful blackness with a little bit of detail behind them. Yeah, there's something about 4-3 and the, like shooting it like that that is so immersive and it's bizarre and it, I don't know, like, it's weird. Like, why do you feel like you're in the scene more when you see one third of a person than when you see the whole body? It's just, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it's got to do with the square stuff. I think that, I definitely think it matters that you're cropping a bunch. You're going, don't focus on this other stuff because the, the edges of a widescreen frame aren't often used anyway, mm-hmm. which is sort of ironic about it. So when you cut in, you're even more laser focused in. Like mm-hmm. you're even more focused on eyes and expressions and stuff, which you already were doing. It like it makes sense. It's in four three. It's going. We'll take out the part of the frame that doesn't matter. And as as soon as you get like a solo shot, like I think of him sitting on the piano, 
looking at her when she's singing, like it's really strong. He gives her this mm-hmm. look of like mm-hmm. approval yeah. in one of the scenes. Um, that's when they're about to go. That's when they sing that song in France and that's before they've recorded it. So it's still the good times. Yeah. And he like, I don't know, I guess they, they're, you can get away with using different lenses as well if it's 4.3 because mm-hmm. he's pretty small there. Like he's just in the middle. He's not the whole thing. As opposed to if it was wide, you'd probably go a lot tighter on him because mm-hmm. you need to make sure he proportionately fills up the thing. I don't know. It's kind of a rant slash. I don't know. I, I can't stop answer. thinking about it, to be honest. Like, and I really wanted to talk about this throughout the week because I was blown away by the cinematography. Mm. And yeah, and I kind of talked about this before. I'm just going to say it again because what I'm thinking. Something about it, it kind of, the, the shots are so tight and focused that you almost lose the context that allows you to put depth and i talked about that before but put depth into a scene so that they feel almost flat but then they feel physical so it's kind of like that thing like when you see a painting right and you see it from far back and it looks like a painting and then you walk close and you can see the brush strokes and it feels like look like any like sometimes they literally don't look what they don't look like the thing yeah so that's what it kind of felt like to me it felt physical in this way that it felt like do do you know what i mean like the, Mm. the scene felt physical in this weird way, even though there's less of it. I think 4.3 is also inviting you to consider the cinematography mm. more so because of all these things that we've talked about. Mm. Um, because you're immediately challenging the viewers every view. Mm-hmm. You're going, hey, this is a bit different. So it's already bringing your attention to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be no secret and thing that they're using different lenses because of this and they're using, they're putting different things in frame because of it. It's pouring myself a coffee. Good man. You drink way too much coffee now. Oh, I'm saying it. I'm glad you're using lids on your water bottles this week. Tom and I live together now. It's terrible. Just kidding. It's beautiful. We, play, we played Catan the other morning. Pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> I've already sort of gone through all my notes. Um, all right, um, I think we might as well. Well, I want one more thing, and it already touches on what the conclusion Sort of is, but did you think of any things that stood out that you would have changed about this movie? Because, just to say quickly, because you always do this. No, I'm not. I'm not actually answering it. I'm just okay. Con- direct me in the way you want me to be directed. Contextualizing the answer a little bit. Uh, like this film, we've talked about it so lovely, and it feels like it should be something like a five star, just based on like the lack of flaws. Mm-hmm. So try and unpack why it might. Why Unless it's it a is five. a five. It's so. not a five for okay. me. I'm just getting that out there. Is it a five for you? No. No. Yeah, okay. Like, I do have criticisms of this film. Yeah. Or at least gut things yeah, that I, I can think talk about. That's that's what's interesting. A film like this is more about feeling. It's just... So, the film rides on this love story. And I just can't help but feel like I wish we had more time with the characters. Runtime-wise, and also just, like, before something happened... Before they were torn away from each other. You wanted to see them get along a bit longer, maybe? Well, that's me. Maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. Then fair. I thought you were ridiculing me. But I just feel like there was something that went, I went, that happened. And it was like, this film is moving along already. And I wasn't ready for it to move on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, for example, that scene where she's like, I'm riding on you. It feels like it happens just when they get together or whatever. It does. But that's, that's what I mean. So okay. it's like. You didn't okay. get anything before that. Yeah. You didn't know like, what was happening. I don't know, like, and that's the thing that leaves me a bit weird story-wise. And to be honest, like, when it ended, I was like, oh, I can't believe that's over already. Mm. And it's a, just like A Star is Born, it's another film that ends with suicide. And I was like, I'm not sure if it's, I'm there yet. Do you know what I mean? Okay. 
Because yeah. there's more at play. She literally has a son as well who... <laughs> <laughs> One shot. Who comes in and like... And that's what... And, you know, What's that- funny is on Wikipedia, they describe her in that scene as a barely functioning alcoholic. Yeah. I thought she was doing some of her best performance. <laughs> and then yeah, she's she like, fire. boom, yeah. And she's like loving the, loving the crew, the band. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Like, and she's with that other guy. What's his name? Ka? Lek. Lek. Ka. Ka. He's <laughs> a syllable. Ka. <laughs> I knew it was a syllable with a K in it. Um, and so he's like, this is my wife. But then I didn't believe it. I was like, maybe I just read that wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I, like sometimes in movies, they don't it, sell it, something enough to you that you, you're not yes. sure. And like... I there's definitely the maybe the end of the film and like I was saying the political pol- stuff in Poland and that sort of that whole part I was like wow there's so much going on here and it was like amazing and I was like having my mind blown every scene and I definitely kind of petered out a bit towards the end for me in terms of I just feel like it kind of maybe maybe the last 10 15 minutes or something like that moved a bit too quick yeah the 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 post getting together in France that's when things speed up um I think that I can maybe articulate one thing I would have, well, one thing you would have liked, hopefully, um, is that I think they needed to work together against something. They never did, which kind of hurt their relationship a little bit. Like it was a little less payoff than it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it, um, unless that's the commentary that it is just lust and people fell into lustful relationships and didn't have substance. But I think they did have substance. So I would have liked them I agree. And to it's have not, fought against something. And that's what's weird because it's like, I don't want to critique the chemistry because I definitely the saw their chemistry. There. But the chem- there was like a certain type of chemistry in the scope of the relationship that I think we missed out on. So like when they were like... It's know, them walking along the street. More of that. You know maybe. how yeah, nice that is. When they were into each other at the start, you definitely believed that. And when they hated each other, you definitely believe that as well. But it's that part in the middle where they like actually loved each other and wanted to be together. That just there wasn't a scene or something that like really gave enough of that. Because you only get her at the party starting to blow stuff up. Hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, it should have come from her. So yeah, that that would be my main critique, and it's something that's kind of difficult to articulate. Apart from like, I felt like I wanted a bit more of something, and it's kind of hard when you don't know what you want more of. Yes. When you mentioned the fact that you never see the kid and that it blinked and it happened, it's sort of funny because I was left after that scene like going, so he, she got with him just to get Victor out, which is a pretty huge thing. And mm. yet it, it, it's almost like implied, like it's something, it felt like an Easter egg. <laughs> it felt like you're supposed to go, hey guys, I actually figured out what was going on yeah. there. But then that's actually a huge narrative point that mm. I don't know how you contextualize that more. Maybe you can look. The shortest way would be to show her going to him and starting to hit on him, and then you could cut to that scene. And right? Yeah, but this is the thing, and with a movie that shows so much, yeah, I just feel like they didn't. There was a bit missing. It was just written a little bit too short, like maybe ten more minutes or something. And especially when it's funny because you talk about it feeling long, but I also understand that because every shot feels like. There's You've so been much somewhere else. Yeah, There's and you're digesting so you much. You could talk about every sort of setting. Mm. Something's always happening. And that's the thing where you just go like, there's just that little bit where I wish that they could have told me this, like what I wanted, they could have told in a two-minute scene through the cinematography, yeah. like they've been doing the whole film. You know what I mean? As I remember, I think it came from you, but early on in the, the development of Love Cut, the uh, forthcoming film written by myself, it was an important part in the feedback or brainstorming. Can't remember. Not trying to steal credit if it was you or someone else. Um, where I was like, I I have this relationship. 
I want to see them doing well together. And I think, yeah, audiences do want to, like, earn that. Because even that field shot's pretty interesting because... Them you in get the close field. to it and then it becomes a different scene. Yeah, the field, they're implying that they're in bliss together because yeah. that takes me to another field scene, which is the field scene in um, Ladybird, mm-hmm. you know, where they're laying and she's like, I had a dream about you last night. And it's like, we rode on carrots to Disneyland or something like that. And that's like such a beautiful scene. And it sort of implies that they did that a bunch of times. And the field sort of implies that they lay in the field a few different times. Mm-hmm. But you only see the shit version. That's going to be my favorite scene in the film, I think. That the field scene, though, because there's something about like her yelling at him, like it's very serious. And, and then he she comes yells back. at him, and then he comes back, and she jumps in the water, and she's floating down the stream singing. It's just it's that... like he's laughing at her being crazy as well. Yeah, so. I don't know. Like that's pretty good. You know, yeah. you definitely get a lot of the relationship from that scene. Yeah, maybe I wanted to see them holding their dramatic tension against the politics, like trying to keep it cool in a tense room. Yeah. But, Do you know what I mean? You know, the thing is as well, I think that he deliberately probably didn't want to make it too... Like, obviously, it's political. Like, there's no escaping that. But I, I think that he definitely didn't want to make it too political. Yes. The, the forces are pretty generic. They're not specifically criticizing the institution. It's more just like... They're specific... They're generic to a time, I would say. But I think it's definitely specific to that era, in my opinion, of yes. history. I always liked seeing Victor interact with Lech, basically. Because, mm. like, later on, he's like, oh, it's good to have you back. You should play. And he's like, oh, I can't nowadays with the broken hands and stuff. Yeah. That was pretty um, moving. Mm. And the other thing, the, the specific critique I didn't like was that sometimes they faded to black in the middle of the film. And you got confused about what was going on when what? they did a time jump. Yeah, no, I just think they did. It's very small. They literally... I just don't think they should have faded to black before fading out. It worked just as well with a new year caption on the next shot. And when it cut to black, I was just a bit like, no, that just mm. didn't look good. Because it made, because certain times there were jumps or at least seen jumps that were months apart or weeks apart mm-hmm. and no context was given. And I think it would have just been better if the time jumps just blended into each other because, like, thematically, the film is just about this memory that. Like, they're highlighting all the important parts of the relationship, the turning points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we might be running out of time. What worked for you in this film, Tom? What worked for me? Um, absolutely the cinematography. The cinematography, we didn't even talk about moving shots because I don't have a long bit on it. But the moving shots are really nice as well. What's funny is the first half of the film is very, like, photographic and still and on tripod. But then it made me forget that there was such great movement. When you watch that dance scene again, Mm. it flows so nicely and believably. Um, I also liked that she's got a little bit of shit timing. Like she looks like she doesn't know how to dance properly because she's a bit drunk. Mm. Um, Yeah. I loved the character development, (laughs) which I don't know. We didn't just contradict ourselves before, I hope. But I I really liked both of the characters and I could see the charm in both of them. They really made them both seem like attractive personalities. Um, I really love Victor. Just the handsomest guy ever. Big fan. I've never been all in on a hunk, but I am. Um, and I love these expressions and stuff. And yeah, I love the political messaging and I love that it can function secondary in this film. Uh, it made you... It contextualised the era for me and it also made... It, like, it just explained why the characters behaved the way they did a bit, and that was fun, really powerful. Cool. What didn't work for you? What didn't work, as I specified, the cuts to black, 
Um, no, I, I suppose I didn't. I think the intro could have been cut in a more comfortable way. Like it maybe could have shortened some of those singing scenes. Um, and because like I got the gist and the gist is cool, but it just felt a little like the fact that it could maybe make people not want to watch that movie in the first few scenes probably isn't the best thing. Mm, what else didn't I like? I guess I didn't like that they didn't thrive as a couple at any stage. I wanted that scene. I don't think that, you know, I'll just reflect on what we were just saying. I don't think that makes you a shit viewer. I don't think it does, honestly. Like For the intro thing? No, no, for the for wanting them to thrive, you know? Yeah. You almost do deserve that a bit. As It seems like something that you shouldn't be asking for, but you, I think that it's fair as a viewer to want that. The only think? way that they thrived was the scenes when they had sex scenes. Like They, they were, were good sex scenes. Like, but they were supposed to be the moments where, like, the tension was, like, released, the cathartic release. Um, but yeah. Oh, I also didn't mention that I love the sets and the dress-ins and the costumes. I don't know. It, it's sort of hard to pinpoint what holds us back from being a classic. Mm. I think it's just a little bit more context yeah. sort of stuff. All right, cool. Um, what would you rate it? What do you rate it? Oh, see, I, I think it's a hard one. This is a film that definitely falls into that category where you could rate it two things and not be heartbroken with either of them. But in the interests of being like you know i can't say all this stuff about not feeling like it's a classic and then give it a classic rating so this film is a strong <laughs> three and a half there you go um i am i mean look because it's just you and me like we've actually just been pretty streamlined and saying what we want to say mm. i'll just highlight what i wanted the things i love cinematography is amazing i've literally been thinking about it every day since i've watched it you know and i don't know if you feel similar but it's like very much I felt a lot from it and it made me want to watch this again just to look at it, you know, mm. and like to tell people to watch it just to look at it. So I think that's something's got to be said to that. It's quite incredible. And yeah, I'm just going to repeat my same critiques where it's just like, oh, another thing I loved, the political undertones, all of that sort of stuff was beautifully done. And the cinematography complemented it where you really felt this other presence and weight in a really kind of amazing sort of way, like that was super impressive. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the negative things is just that there was something, something missing. It ended very quickly and I just wish it was longer. I wish we got more time with them. It's weird. Like when you're so invested in some, something and cause you ask, you can't watch this and you can't enjoy this and not be invested in it because like it's an encompassing film to watch, but you just, I got, got to the end and I just went, oh, like I was a little bit just disappointed with the way it ended. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. It's like, I, I'm going to give it a three and a half, but I just, I want to watch it again and feel better about it. You know, you'll probably like it more. Mm. I think that a movie that makes you want to rewatch it quickly after, and then you rewatch and you go, yeah, I'm going to lock this in as a good movie. Mm. Always can bump it by. But, and it's always bit. hard when it's like, you feel like something plays a role in your, yes. Yeah. Like the canon of your film appreciation. Yeah. It's a, This and, feels like an important movie. Um, I also love that it, I know, we kind of like ragged on it, but I also love the short time. I love the idea that you could say, hey, watch this indie Polish mm. film. It's in the 88 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, fantastic. And like, and I think that adds to its rewatchability where you're like, oh, I can, just, I can spare an hour exactly. 25. Yeah, and, but it's almost something that I would like to put on and just watch without even listening to it. Mm. You know what I mean? It'd be a good like... If you're having a dinner party, you just put <laughs> it on a projector or something. Or if you're making some lo-fi hip-hop beats to study to you could definitely soundtrack this movie yeah lo-fi polska beats <laughs> <laughs> to um communist to <laughs> uh, 
Um, what else is there to say? Nothing. No, I like it. I mean, it's good to be back on the indie tip, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll be back. Um, there's some exciting films we're talking about today. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Follow us on at I'm Good Brother, the official home of the Ego Hour podcast on Instagram. Um, follow us on Facebook at Ego Problem. Well, not at Ego Problem, search Ego Problem. Uh, we are, of course, the Ego Hour podcast. Tell your friends. We would appreciate... <laughs> we lo- really need this. Nah, we'd love if you could tell one person, just one person outside of your circle to listen to this podcast. Um, Please leave a comment. Tell us what you want us to review next. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking as I was walking... But I've- don't, because we won't listen. We don't care anymore. I was When I was thinking about this film, I was thinking about the idea that we all sort of want... That everything is driven by power, sort of, and... I was thinking about how Lek is driven by power, but even um, Zula, in a way, is driven by power by trying to... Well, first of all, she's driven by power to get out of the, the Hill Tribes, as we've dubbed it. I feel like Hill Tribes is maybe offensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll I hope see. not. I hope not. Apologies. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to offend anyone, genuinely. Um, the So she wants to like raise her status by joining this group, and it's a unique opportunity. And then uh, Victor wants to, you know have a good job and get paid and successful music as well and like be cultural and then i was thinking about ego hour and ego problem and i'm like i just want people to listen to the pod so then people will value my opinions and then we can talk about stuff and and the other the other power thing that was on my mind this week is obviously the game stock stuff (laughs) and thinking about how people like can boost the price just by talking about something so i don't know what your point is i don't really have one um i'm boosting the stock of the ego hour podcast buy now yes. hold. Hold. hold diamond hands everybody thanks for listening this has been another, another classic. classic another classic or a fresh one if we knew what we wanted you'd be useless tell us what's in Tell us who's done Another antique shipwreck you spun It's a Friday or a Tuesday They mark my week, tell me when and where and what's fun Maybe if we, maybe if us Another sentimental 